welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Say master is here and you still have not taken off your shoes. Uh. Mike Swords, Mike Swords. Shepard sounds what? Yo, 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 yo. What's going on people? This is the Dojo Talk Podcast. I am your host, Serio Sensei. Um, real quick, I just wanted to do an intro to this podcast. Um, I told you guys last week that I wanted to cover um, the card from this weekend, the uh, Amanda Nudez and Ronda Rousey fight. So this is what this episode is about, as you can see by the title. <coughs> Excuse me. Dying live on my own podcast. But um, told you guys I also wanted to get a co-host. I did get a co-host. Um, special shout outs to the Anti-Cool who I met through the Tumblr universe uh, some years ago. Um, real knowledgeable guy about MMA, actually really combat sports in general. If you have a Tumblr and you're into combat sports and you're not following him, you need to get your right, you, know, you need to get your life together. Um, but yeah, me and him uh, chopped it up about the card. I, I meant to only cover the main card. Uh, but I think we literally, <laughs> I think we covered everything. I think we went from the main card all the way down to the prelims. Uh, we talked about the chaos of the welterweight division, uh, Johnny Hendricks, and we talked about a lot. We we covered a lot, lengthy podcast. Um, I only wanted to be a little over an hour. We definitely went over that. But hey, man, if you're if you at work, you need time to pass by. You got a long commute to work or a long commute coming home from work. Put this on. We got you covered for nearly two hours. Um, so I'm going to get off because it's enough of me talking on this podcast. Minus his intro. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for checking it out. And we will be back or we'll be both be back. I'm definitely I'm bringing him back anytime I cover fights. And I'll also be back, you know, on the music tip and anything else I review. So, hope you guys like this episode, and I'll catch y'all later. Peace. Intros. I don't know how I should bring this in. Um, me bro. <laughs> so, we about to just wing it. Just start talking shit. Yeah, let me uh, take a quick squig of water. One thing I did learn from talking for 40 minutes, your mouth gets dry really fast. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, alright, so, we'll just go. Um... This is the Dojo Talk Podcast, second episode. Um, I told you guys last week that I was going to try to get a co-host. He came through in the clutch. Um, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself, good sir. Yo, I'm not even sure if I should say my name or my screen name, but I am the we'll do anti hmm? I don't say. Just do, we'll, we'll do your screen name so, you know, people ain't after you or... Um, you know, this... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, this is the Anti-Cool on Tumblr, uh, Combat Sports Encyclopedia, whatever. Yeah, we've been holding it down on the internet in the in the Tumblr world for a long time, so I figured I needed a co-host. Uh, I feel like talking about fights by myself would not be fun at all, so appreciate uh, you for, for joining me. Uh, um, glad to be here, bro. So Thank I guess we'll do... Yeah, anytime. I'm hoping... I know we're both dreading this BJ Penn fight, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we we gonna have to talk about it. We I'm we gonna have to talk about it. it. Like I'm just 
I'm like, okay, this is, this ain't doing anything for anybody except making a bunch of people sad. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna be one of them sad, disappointed, like a father looking at his son wondering what went wrong. But luckily, that's not till the fifteenth. Um, so we're gonna talk about UFC 207 that just happened this weekend, and I guess we'll jump uh, right into it. Main event: Ronda Rousey versus Amanda Nunes. There was a lot of a lot of hype before this fight. Everybody was wondering, you know, what Ronda were we gonna get? Was she gonna come back, you know, in beast mode and just go in, or were we gonna get something else? And in 48 seconds, <laughs> we we definitely uh, got something else. I'll actually um I'll let you kick this one off. What did you think of the fight? Um, it went down the only way it probably could have gone down. And it was Amanda Nunes hitting Ronda Rousey as hard as she can in the face until Ronda just broke. Yeah, it was... I just I felt it, it almost literally as soon as the fight started. Like, I was just wondering. I, I didn't think Ronda was going to win, so I wasn't shocked that she lost. But I also didn't think that it was going to be this, like... Like, it was so one-sided. Yeah. Like, well, I... Not- you see, uh, no, no, sorry to cut you off, but um, my thing was, this was a 50-50 fight in my head, because there's no reason Ronda should lose, if she's the Ronda that fought, you know, before, uh, Holly Holm, I guess, where she goes out there, she grabs her, and she takes her down. It just but, seemed like, I felt like after, like, that first punch <laughs> that landed, yeah, yeah. like, the she just hit the panic button, and it just... It went. It fell down from there. Like, and I was also wondering, like, all right, between the home fight and now, maybe she's worked on her boxing. Maybe she's worked on like her footwork. And she came out. And I was actually listening to, um, I was listening to Tommy Toho's podcast earlier this morning, and one of the guests had mentioned it that like, <laughs> she she almost does like this little hop, like mm. it's this crazy little bounce that she does. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I don't, what is that? Like, <laughs> I don't know what that is. And it's it just, it, it, it didn't work. It's why you bring that up. Um, if you go back and watch, God, it was, she was sparring Vic Darchinian when Vic Darchinian first went to go work with Edmund. Mm-hmm. And there's this really heavily cut together highlight video of them sparring. And, you know, they cut out all the parts that make Ronda look terrible. Because obviously she probably got her ass kicked up and down in that sparring <laughs> session, but um, there's one point where Ron, uh, like Vic, I think is going like, hits her with a jab, and you can tell Ronda's about to go in and jump in and try to like lock up, but like, against her better judgment, it's boxing. It's a boxing session. She's you know doesn't. All right. She kicks her leg up, uh, like she's going like. Oh my god, like, F, 45 degree angle, her knees, like, all up in the air and everything, <laughs> and, and it looks like she's about to go for a hip toss. That's that, that's <laughs> autopilot. <laughs> and, it just, I just, I gotta wonder, like, at this point, that you, I think you gotta just start looking at 
the coach, the trainers, the whole team, and it's like, is it time to move on? Like, I think it might be time to pack the bags, and maybe this just ain't the right, maybe that gym worked for that, you know, that first stretch he had, um, was she like 9, 10, and 0, 11, and 0, something like that? Yeah, so maybe, like, I feel like that happens in, in sports in general, like even in football. You might have a coach, maybe he was winning at first, things were going well, and then eventually, I don't know if it's just you get too comfortable there, and no. the training never switches up, but I think maybe it might be time, she might need to look into a new gym, a new coach, because even if, every time I see her, I can't help but think of Travis Brown. And I remember when Travis first came to the UFC, and I was like, yo, this dude, he's going to be a problem. And he was a problem for about the first three fights. Mm -hmm. And then didn't he end up at that gym? And then <laughs> he he tanked. like, And it, yeah, it's, it's so noticeable. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Right. I, don't, I don't know. I feel like she's got more questions now than even before after this. So just... Given her, um, I want to say personality, I guess, I don't think she's coming back at all. And given uh, um, what we know about her in the past, I don't think she would leave Edmund. And 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 just to top that all off, I think she won. I think she was dominant in spite of Edmund, not because of him. That's what I tried to explain to other people too. That I think. Edmund lucked up getting her because I think she came in, obviously, you know, judo credentials are through the roof, but she came in with a lot of raw talent mm -hmm. and she got by on that raw talent for a lot longer than I feel like any normal person would. Like she made it to the top off of the raw talent. Can't take that away from her. But eventually your raw talent isn't, it doesn't last forever. And I think the rest of the vision Everybody else was evolving, and she kind of just, yeah, she was stagnant, and she never, she never I, peaked. I, see, that's the thing with this sport, man. Like, once somebody has you figured out, like that, it's a long fall off that cliff, man. Like, if you can't change your game after something just falls through, it, it's game over. You look at guys like um, another one, Anthony Pettis. As soon as people found out that, you know, uh, God, with the RDA fight, we found out that he doesn't handle pressure well. Right. But we, we knew that heading into it. We knew that he lost rounds to Benson Henderson and Gilbert, and he lost the first round to Gil Melendez because he was moving backwards and he spent most of the time against the cage. But it didn't matter because... He was so athletically superior and just so explosive with his offense that he could shut you could shut the fight off and just, you know, one kick to the body, right. it's all over. But once he was, once people knew just how to approach him, uh, it, it just fell apart for him. And the same happened with Ed, uh, when he fought Edson. And that's what we saw with um, Ronda. And I think really that, um, that Holly Holm fight was just like a fact of microcosm, just what's wrong with Ronda. Like, she went in there, and as soon as she got hit, she all she did was turn up the pressure. Right. There was there was no attack. There was no she. There was no you know 
thought into how do I get this woman to stay in front of me long enough so I can grab her and take her down. It was how do I get control of this fight? It's, it's obviously not in my control anymore. So, and her only reaction to that was to double down. And we, once she lost that fight, what, it, and it became clear that Edmund had no fucking clue what he was doing. Did you see or did you hear the clip, yes. the audio? <laughs> oh, yes. oh my god. Edmund screaming no. <laughs> as the ref jumps in and yeah. saves Rhonda from permanent brain damage might be that will hold a special place in my heart yeah like forever and I'll, I'll throw my biases out to the public I'm not a huge Rhonda fan but when I heard the audio when I heard that clip I felt really bad for her cause I'm like this is the guy who's like this is your head coach like this is supposed to be the captain of the ship, and <laughs> the ship is sinking, and he has no way to keep you afloat. This, like, did you read the transcript, like, of just his what entire forty-eight seconds of advice, where it's like, I just, re- yeah, I remember hearing head and, movement and, for like twenty-five <laughs> seconds, and she wasn't doing any. The head movement that she was doing wasn't to dodge; it was because she was getting hit, and her head was like. <laughs> Her head was just getting rocked over and over. Uh, yeah, that man. I've never, it's just like watching them train. I don't think I've ever seen Ronda move her head. Uh, like oh, yeah, she's, she's really... She has a lot of power. Which but is she's, crazy because she yeah, it's, like it's, it's all from her arms. Yeah, and she's really... It's, kinda, it's like a really stiff like motion that she has. Yeah. And it's almost like you see the potential. It's like, man, if you if you just really worked on your boxing for like take like a year off and just work on your boxing, I really believe if she got her technique down, she could take heads off. She has the power to do so. Absolutely. She doesn't even need to be a great boxer. She just needs entries to the clinch. Right. Like someone who's not very powerful uh, Valentina Shevchenko was able to take uh, she's way smaller way less powerful like she doesn't hit anywhere near as hard as Ronda despite the fact Ronda you know is an arm puncher right was able to get all the way inside on um, Holly Holm because she was able to read uh, she was able to read Holm and she was able to get her to maneuver in a way that would open up the the, the entries. For right. Her. But Rhonda just, and that's another thing. I, I've never really noticed that too either with Rhonda is that she, yeah, her only method of takedown is primarily the clinch. She doesn't shoot singles. She doesn't shoot. I don't think I've ever seen her shoot a double. It's and just it's just clinch or nothing. You see, that's what really makes me um upset when you hear people say like, oh. Uh, you know, she has to focus, go back to focusing on her judo. She shouldn't be out here trying to box with world-class strikers. And I'm just like, she has to be able to close a distance on a world-class striker. And a world-class striker is going to know how to, you know, manage distance. Like, besides maybe, um, well, besides basically Sarah Kaufman, like, everyone, uh, Ronda's fault to this point has been primarily a grappler first. Yeah. And a lot of them, and I don't want to take away credit from Rhonda, some of them threw her some gifts. 
i.e. Uh, Kat Zingano by rushing in. <laughs> Misha Tate in the second fight where she was literally just diving on her hips and yeah. not driving at all through the takedown. Yeah, and they... And I remember, actually, that fight for me, the second Misha fight, was kind of when I really noticed the chinks in Ronda's armor. Because I remember there were there were little moments in that fight where Misha was actually doing really good in the stand-up, but she would keep trying to clinch... And it was just like, what are you doing? If you just keep it standing, keep your distance, you might actually squeak this out. But yeah. she kept going for the clinch, and uh, you don't clinch with Ronda. That's not a game you wanna you wanna I, repeatedly play in. I don't mind her shooting for the takedown because honestly, I don't think Ronda's guard is her strongest, you know, position on the ground. Right. Because basically, because I don't think she has a lot of experience there. But um. Yeah, like, the way she was doing it was just terrible. But, um, well, I don't know how long we've been talking about it, but I'd like to actually throw some credit to Amanda Nunes. Oh, yeah, I was actually, yeah, just about to get to that. Because that was the other issue was I wanted to bring up the whole, like, promotion of the fight, which was strange in and of itself. I, I, I think it's right in line with what they, do, they normally do. True. It, it, this is the superstar show this is you know the connor and ronda show and probably now just the connor show but. right <laughs> but it was just like uh, i remember watching the commercials that i don't remember did they even ever show nunez's face no, no, no. like they, they showed her uh, like there was one commercial where she's like no uh no one's going to take this belt from me they say she you know she or from uh, no one's going to take this belt you know it's quoting you know jonah champion over there and um, they cut to, like, the poster, and it says, she's back. And then they have, like, a man that knew that off on, like, the other side of Ronda. Yeah. And that's basically it. And it's, it was kind of, I mean, I expected it. I get it. They're going to hype the megastar. But it's not like Nunez doesn't have a highlight reel. Like, she hasn't been beasting on people for the last, did you know. Hear, did you hear what Dana said at the post fight? Like, he said, um, was it, I could have spent $100 million dollars advertising Amanda Nunes, uh, Amanda Nunes to the public and no one would know her name. Mm. So that... <laughs> you know what? That, that reminds me of like how I felt they treated Aldo. Like, I don't see why Aldo wasn't a megastar before he lost his belt because that guy has a vicious highlight reel of just nearly a decade just destroying people. See, I think we're... Pa I think we're... Like... I think MMA is kind of just past that infancy mainstream, well, like, awareness. Where, like, oh, this is a new thing, and it's so exciting. And, you know, this guy just came out here and soccer kicked some guy in the face. Or this guy just punched a man through the ropes. Or, you know, this guy right. has a mohawk, and he comes out here, and he just throws <laughs> one right hand over and over again until the other guy's gone. Right. And I think we're past the point where you you can just be that guy. Or be that girl, and just be just. You have to have the total package, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, but I, I mean, Nunez, and I feel like a lot of it too with her. I think, I think Nunez it will can and will be a bigger draw than Aldo, which you know isn't really saying much because I think Aldo's like the second or third worst selling champion yeah. in terms of like buy rates and stuff. Mm -hmm. Only dude worse is probably my man DJ. <laughs> God. 
Yeah, I think she'll, because I feel like she does have a personality. Like she's a, she's a personality. She's a story. Yeah, she definitely has a story, which I'm surprised they didn't push. Like, like it almost felt like there was so much there to promote, and they just turned the blind eye. Like, we'll just ignore all of her accomplishments, her whole background, the entire yeah. come up. You uh, know, the big pro- one of the things with the USC is I think they only know how to promote a certain type of fighter. And that's not to say all of them are the same, but, like, the, there is a certain um, – they only know how to sell to, basically, their core audience, I guess I'm trying to say. I'll like, say it. I feel like they only can promote to Americans. Like, I feel like they get a foreign chant, and even if they have, like, a little bit of a language barrier, they're like, oh, I don't, you know – uh, yeah, they can only promote to Americans, which I, I understand. I, I'm thinking more like they can only promote more to the people who were kind of very, very much upset and went quiet in ATL right. when, you know, Rashad Evans knocked out Chuck Liddell. Right. And that's the, the Chuck fans are basically their core audience. Being, I hope. Okay. They're, they're core audience of casuals, I should say. That is true. The people who drive up the pay-per-view buys for guys like Connor and, and to a lesser extent, like Weidman and Rockhold and Bisping. Because, yeah. fortunately, yeah, most of the average, even people like I talk to at work, it's it's UFC 207, the Rousey fight. Yeah. But, like, they didn't know who Rousey was. <laughs> like, the, if the way they described it, you would think Ronda was still the champ. The way you would they describe it is you'd think Ronda was fighting herself or something. Pretty much, <laughs> but uh, but, yeah. but for Nunes, uh, for Nunes, God, I keep saying Nunes. Is it Nunes or Nunes? I thought it was Nunes. I thought it was Nunes too. I've heard people say Nunes, and now I'm confused. I feel like if somebody said Nunes, no disrespect, it was probably John Anik. I know he butchers names like nobody's business. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll stick with Nunes for now and go back and check and see how she says her known name because I don't trust any of them. But, yeah, back to her real quick, and we'll, we'll get off the fight in a little bit, but, you know, so she, she blows through Misha Tate, she blows through Ronda. Two of the top four female fighters of all time, I might Right, and they, they, these fights were completely one-sided. She's got nasty striking, uh, nasty BJJ, game. yeah, nasty top game, BJJ black belt, so who, who do you think she fights next, and who do you think can give her a run. Um, Shevchenko or Pena and both. Because you know, Shevchenko, if that fight was if her fight with Shevchenko from one ninety six was five rounds, she probably loses that fight. Hmm. And Pena is just like, you know just constant forward momentum, pressure, cardio and if she doesn't get, you know, good up with the very first punch that Nunes hits her with, she probably goes five rounds and takes the decision or stops her late because she can get very violent. Does Shevchenko have a fight lined up? Shevchenko versus Pena, UFC on Fox ah. 23, main event. Okay, yep. All right, so I, I think, well... I feel like with the UFC, you can never be too sure of anything, but I would assume the winner of those two has got to be a title shot. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping for it. 
love to see a Peruvian world champion. I don't care if she's from Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> One last thing before we get off this fight, though, about Ronda. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, she does come back. Who's a who's a good matchup? Some not, I'm not gonna say a uh not a not necessarily an easy fight. I feel like no fights are really guaranteed. But like fight. yeah, who who's a good tune up fight for her to come back if she does decide she wants to give it another go? Um oh God. Uh, someone who couldn't knock her out. Which Yeah. I wanted to say Jessica I. But she's like one in five. Yeah. And I felt like that fight wouldn't make a lot of... Probably wouldn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. But she's like the only person that I could think of. Because I feel like any other fight might end up being a rematch. Cause... I think they'd be... I think they'd be fun. Uh, if, if it had to be a rematch, I'd say Liz Carmouche. Wouldn't mind Liz, that. Liz Carmouche or... Um... Kazangano. We'll love to see the cat rematch. Because I think not not a guaranteed win for cat by any stretch. Mm-hmm. But I think a second fight definitely goes different. Yeah. As long as she doesn't rush in and try flying knee I don't know what she tried. I have no idea what that attack was, but I just know it didn't nope. work. It jumped <laughs> it was she she jumped at her. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. As long as she doesn't do that, I think that fight goes different. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, that's main she event. Does- Oh, go ahead. Right. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I'll yeah. say. We'll get, get off this fight because we're yeah. done talking about Ronda for now. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all right. So, and co-main event. This was actually, I feel like the co-main for me, this was my personal main event. I was really hyped to see this fight. Um, Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz. In my mind, I thought this fight was going to go one of two ways. Either Cody was going to come out, clip him early, and send him home. Mm-hmm. Or Dominic was going to do his little b-boy moves, and he was just going to pick them apart from the outside. And I was, I don't want to say shocked. I'm not shocked that Cody won. But his, like, his, he was able to evade really good. He connected on Cruz a number of times. Was it, like, round four? I think he dropped Cruz at least three times. Yep. Like, he... He was on it like that. Round four was a ten eight round. Yeah, he was he was on fire like the whole fight, and it was weird because even when Cody was winning, I remember it got to like probably like round three, and I'm like, all right, Cruz still you know he'll still find his footing, and eventually the Cruz that we all know he's just gonna come back and he'll coast to a decision. And then when it got to round four, it started to set in like. He's going to lose. Like, he's, is not going to happen. Yeah, I, Cody, went to, I went to round five thinking, like, oh my, uh, I, I went to round five for some reason almost positive that Cruz would still find a way to win. I think that's just my belief in him. Just him being, you know, one of the greatest fighters today and probably all time. But, yeah, no. He, like, he won, I gave him the fifth round, but, like, he still looked absolutely lost. Yeah. I've never, I don't know if it's, and I can't take away from Cody because Cody, Cody's a beast. He's definitely a beast. But I think, I wonder if you think, do you, do you think Cruz took him lightly? Like he thought he was just going to go in and dodge a few power punches and just pick him apart and maybe he didn't, 
he didn't respect them as much as he probably should have. I think we all kind of did, to be honest with you. I did. I didn't see that type of performance coming out of Garbrandt like at all. Like bit on none of the feints. Did despite being this hot-headed guy whose whole thing is to like explode into attacks and you know pick you apart if you stand right in front of him. Did not expect to see him, you know, just be patient and just out, just straight up outbox one of the most craftiest men to ever step in the cage. I was honestly waiting for the moment. I was like, all right, so Cody's doing good about these first three. He's going to gas out sooner or later. Like, he's never been to championship rounds. Mm-hmm. Big stage. This is probably, this is definitely easily the biggest card he's ever been on. And not only did he not gas out at all his his showboating i gotta give it to him i don't like showboating a lot but i approve of what he did i, I didn't mind it at all <laughs> I, I, I approve of it when you don't lose right basically because <laughs> it's everything's a tactic like my favorite thing that he did you know not the push-ups or um just laughing at Cruz as he was like chucking and driving out of this like vicinity was that he just always pointed back to the center of the cage. He I wonder not, if... Okay. I think that was just part of the game plan. Just get to the center of the cage. You're faster than him. Make him come to you. And it, it definitely worked. <laughs> like, that was... It kind of reminded me of the Dillashaw-Burrell fight. It wasn't as dominant as Dillashaw-Burrell. But it was like one of those moments where like you see somebody really reach their full potential and yeah. like you you didn't think like you knew they were good, but you didn't think like this guy, he's he might be around for a while. Like he might be a problem for years to come if he can stay if he can stay at this high level, he's gonna give anybody who fights him problems. Mm-hmm. Uh God. That might be seeing like a reoccurring thing at Bantamweight then. Taking everybody out. And was it me? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, It happened with Brian Bowles. I don't remember if Bowles was um, bringing the favorite heading into the Cruz fight, but I can't imagine he wasn't knocking out, you know, arguably one of the pound for pound fighters on the planet. Right. Man, um, I I miss those days. I miss the blue kid. <laughs> I miss that whole organization. Ah, now nah, I get sad just thinking about it. I still have the best of WEC DVD. Oh, I got it around here somewhere too. Man. Ah, but then I get sad because I think of Miguel Torres and where his career kind of went, and then I I get really sad, and then I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> but one thing, okay. Uh, the saddest part is he probably still would be in the UFC if he didn't have a Twitter. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I actually looked up his record. I know this is a side tangent, but I did look up his record. I didn't realize he's still, like, semi-active. Oh, yeah. I don't know where he's fighting. I don't know what these organizations are or, he like, what holes in the walls. or for Rebel. Rebel FC. Oh, oh man. God, uh, he fought... I can't remember the name of the guy. Like, I think it's somebody who's like now at one or something. But um, yeah, he's been he's been you know hanging around. Real quick though, on Cruz before I get off this fight, 
do you think I heard I heard a few people say that maybe because Cruz has been around for a while now and some people are thinking maybe maybe father time father time slash you know all of the surgeries and you know injuries that he's had like maybe it's all catching up to him do you think it's the injuries or maybe it's just more if he just he took a guy too lightly and the Cody decided he's really he really showed up that fight was it more of he just fought a really really talented guy or do you think maybe is he slowing down has he lost a step um uh, both probably both but I, I I can't say I he's lost a step because I said that when he was going into the Dillashaw fight I was mm. adamant I was pretty adamant about that uh the idea that yeah there's no way this guy is going to be 100% or anywhere near, and he's going to need that to fight Dillashaw, and he still, he went out there, and he had the best fight of his career, so, I want, I, and the way he was talking about Cody before the fight, the way a lot of us were talking about Cody before the fight was, like, yeah, he's good at this, he's very good at, you know, throwing the bombs on, putting his hands on somebody, we didn't really count him as a boxer, right, like, I remember, uh, the Burmish fight and the Briones fight, and there was a there was a lot of hype around him. Obviously, he's Team Alpha Male, the, you know, pistol holster tattoos and you know right. neck, neck tattoos, and he's dating so and so. And um, no, there there was a lot of people who were like, oh, "This is it," because you know he went out there. I thought he went all three rounds against Burmish before the knockout, but. Yeah, you know, Marcus Burmage, he was boxing up with. Right. Which, and, but, um, I, I think we all underestimated what he could do. And it wouldn't surprise me if Cruz has lost a step, but I can't get put that as the primary reason he lost the fight. Yeah. I, I think Cody just fought, like, a brilliant fight. And he, he and his team did very well to shake off like a lot of the um talk around them about how they don't they're not very um process oriented I guess right like Faber Van Zant Benavides none of the uh, Mendes to an extent you can't hear them can you a little bit (laughs) that's fine we'll be (laughs) alright but uh, none of those guys no, uh, none of those guys are really process-oriented fighters, I guess. So, last thing before we go to the next fight. Who would you rather see Cody fight next? You want to see a Dillashaw fight or a Cruz rematch? Dillashaw. Dillashaw? Dillashaw. Dillashaw silently had one of the freaking best years. Dude absolutely stunted on Rafael Asuncao and John Lineker. And, yeah, where well, we're gonna get to that fight next. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I know a lot of people didn't have it that way, but I scored uh, the Cruz fight for him too. That, hmm. I don't remember how I scored that fight. Actually, you know what? I feel like I think I got so excited during that fight that at some point I stopped scoring. Yeah. Like the fight was just so good that I just I couldn't try to score it anymore. Mm-hmm. I was just watching to. You were just watching two like, like like two Super Saiyans just, just yeah like, <laughs> yeah just doing what they do high paced chess basically. 
So, yeah, I guess keeping with Dillashaw, um, the Dillashaw versus Lineker. See, this fight made me sad. This, I kind of had the same feel for this fight as Cody versus Dominic. I was, I was like, either Lineker is going to come out and he'll crack him, and it's going to be a nasty crack because Lineker hits like he has C4 just attached to every finger, or Dillashaw is just going to, you know, he'll be slick, he'll evade, he'll get in, he'll get out. I was surprised at how much this fight was on the ground, and Dillashaw just he dominated him on the ground. Like, it, it wasn't even... I don't remember... Was Dillashaw, like, ever in danger, I don't think, at any point? In uh, danger, fight. no, but uh, towards the end of the third round, while well, he was just, like, um, after he went for the calf slicer and just decided, you know what, there's only, like, 45 seconds left, I'm going to just do whatever. John Lederker kind of came alive a little bit. Put some hands on him, but it was not, it was nothing serious. Well, nothing as you know, nothing crazy. John Lineker hit you was pretty bad, even if it's just grazing. But um, yeah, Dillashaw's entries on those takedowns, man, crazy, absolutely beautiful, crazy. Like and the way he's, he's set- yeah, he's 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 slick for no reason, like. People shouldn't be allowed to be that, <laughs> like, you shouldn't be that good. Like, I don't, whatever drills that they're running down at Team Alpha Male. Or that's, um, no, that's Elevation. Oh, no, no, yeah, I forgot, yeah, Elevation, yeah. Uh, what, whatever they got him doing there, man, this, it's working. It's definitely working. My one hope, being a John Lundiker stand, despite the fact he's missed weight ten times in the UFC, despite being um, a stand, my big hope was um, uh, uh, Dillashaw would get drawn into the fight that he had against um, Burrell. And but I mean, like at the minute Burrell touched, uh, Bur- uh, well, Burrell and Dillashaw are similar in the way that they get touched. Their very first instinct is to fight back. Right. Yeah, like they will stay in the pocket and they will plant their feet and they will t- throw. And, you know, Dillashaw's a lot more technical in the pocket. Like, a lot of what Burrell was doing when he was at Bantam, was, like, slapping right hooks and left. Right. But um, I was, uh, my thought was, okay, Lineker's going to touch him at least once before D- TJ can hit, like, an entry or hit, like, land a head kick. And that will be the moment that he, that Dillashaw just unwinds and just, like, opens up. And that never happened. To his credit, to uh, Ludwig's credit, uh, credit, what they did was instead of just having Dillashaw just constantly be in the pocket and try to swim in there, like yeah, they did. They drew the faint. Uh, they fainted him really hard and got uh, Lineker to commit on the uh, commit on the punches. What you know he's gonna do? Yeah, because <laughs> you know he's swinging every punches is a kill shot pretty much with him. Exactly, and. It, did, I don't want to say the exact opposite of what Dotson and um, God was the homie's name. Uh, Boston, um, Robert Font, Rob mm. Font did exact didn't try and do what they did and try to dance on the outside and then you know explode and they would throw their they throw they he throw the head kick he throw you know the left hand the right hand and he'd faint and then. As soon as Lineker would commit, it was takedowns after takedowns. 
Yeah, that he's. It's. I wonder how this belt, like in this division, like are we gonna play patty cake and is it just gonna switch hands? Cause I feel like I think Dillashaw is gonna get that belt again. I absolutely agree with you. But then I'm like he he'll get it again. But then how long does he keep it? Cause I don't. I feel like the top half of that division is just like it's really talented, and I don't see anybody being able. Well, I guess well Cruz has <laughs> for the longest, but other than Cruz, like I don't get it. I don't see anybody who gets that belt and just keeps it like as long as like a DJ or you know anybody yeah, else has. Absolutely, um, family's a very. Uh, not talent heavy, but um, they they have a bunch of young fighters, They're like the opposite of heavyweight, basically. Right. Where, prospects uh, everywhere you look. Prospect like Jimmy Rivera might steal a title shot off of yeah. TJ Dillashaw, you know, mostly for political reasons. Let's see, yeah, Rivera's out there. Almeida, I still believe he. I know he got knocked off. I, I was a little hurt after that knockout. But I think he'll end up getting up there, too. He's floating around out there. Um, Sterling has a big fight coming out with Sun Tzu at some point in the future. I can't remember which card. Yeah, I think Dotson will get back in there. Like, yeah. He's a tough fight for... Um, I think he'd be a tough fight for guys like Cruz and um, Dillashaw. I really want to see a, a Dotson-Dillashaw rematch. Mm-hmm. I know it. I know it probably wouldn't play out the same because TJ has gotten leaps and bounds better than from the first time. But Dude, I really want to see how how that would play out. Uh, one of the, one of the underappreciated things about Bantamweight, like two of the last three champions. Well, but yeah, I'm gonna stick with two of the last three because WC was a little, was infant infancy of Bantamweight, I guess. Right. But um, Cody uh. Cody Garbrandt, 11th fight, UFC champion. Uh, TJ Dillashaw, like, ninth fight, I want to say, UFC champion. Like, these dudes grow leaps and bounds. Uh, oh, okay, wait, it was his 11th fight as well. Hmm. So, these dudes grow leaps and bounds, and if you're special, you pop up real quick. Like Yeah, about to say, you can win about a good four or five straight, and you're already... You're like you're right on the cusp, basically. Yeah. So you know, but point being, Dotson. When he fought Dotson, that was his fifth pro fight. He had been fighting literally. Let's see. He started in March 2010, and the Dotson fight was in December 2011. He had been fighting for maybe just a year and a half, professionally. That's a scary first. That's a scary fifth fight. And, like. <laughs> and just to put that in perspective, Dotson has been fighting since 2004. Props to TJ. I mean, the man is if, out here doing his thing. Yeah, if 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 somebody has me a contract and I'm fighting Dotson, my fifth fight, I'm getting injured or I'm pulling a hamstring. Well, that was or... a tough fight. <laughs> yeah, that's TJ's the man. And I, I I hope I do hope I hope the TJ Cody fight I hope that happens because I think that's there's no way that fight will be boring. Pray WME, no no way. Pray WME decides that you know uh, TJ being pro union and being a CAA fighter 
doesn't blow uh, blow up in the uh, in our faces here, I guess. Yeah, that that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. A whole <laughs> man, yeah, it is. It's a mess from every level. Freaking that old, not to go too off topic, but that Oliver means fight. I don't know if you saw that, but... No, I actually, um, I was in the car driving to the party when that fight happened, so... Uh, can Actually, can you run that down? Like, what? I know it was a, a no contest, I think. It was ruled a no contest. Okay. I'm gonna try to do my best Jordan Breen impression here. Alright. <laughs> because Jordan Breen tried to explain this to, um, TJ Sanders on Beat Down After Bell, and it was just a master co- uh, class of, like, mind effery. Um, okay, so, Tim Means... Starts beating the crap out of Cowboy. Um, Oliveira gets to a knee. Like, only a knee. No hands are touching the mat. Mm-hmm. So it's just his knee and his um, toes. Tim Means lands two knees to the head of Charles uh, Alex Oliveira. And Mergliata hops in. I think it's Mergliata. I could be wrong. Yeah, you're right. I'm gonna, I gotta pull up now. It's Mergliata. Right, he hops in and is like, "That's illegal. Go to your corner. We're gonna get a doctor in here to see if um, to see if uh, Oliveira's all right." Oh boy! If he can't, you're, you know, you're you're disqualified, uh, like because it's illegal. So Joe Rogan hops on the mic and is like, "I don't think that's legal. I I, I don't think that's legal by the rules that will be. You know, I'm not sure if he's confused because you know the rules are changing on you know." The, tw- uh, the tw- 17th because Tim Means is in the cage just going insane because mm-hmm. he's like that's legal that's legal and it's, it's not it, it's not even illegal. it's not legal today it's 2017 <laughs> now it's not legal today that's a grounded opponent you have your knee down you're grounded okay but um yeah. but yeah. so you know they pull Mark Ratner from you know I guess it's stupid because he obviously wasn't paying attention and Mark Ratner's not like is like no that's legal None of the hands were touching. That's legal. My, uh, and mind you, Mark, Mark Ratner, possibly the most important man in getting MMA regulated, should know the rules by heart. <laughs> he, he, he is the father of unified rules. And Joe Rogan just like has, you know, I can't, I'm not a Joe Rogan fan, but I can't fault him because like, uh, um, like I, I guess he had like his come to God moment. He's like, wait, am I wrong? Do I not know the rules of this sport anymore? I, I, I Life is like, changing. Like, 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 like you can just like hear it in his voice. He's like, he just doubts himself. And you can, and um, from there, he's, he just does a complete about face. And he's like, we're being told that's legal by Mark Ratner, former you know director at the end of the you know. Nevada State Athletic Commission, and you know he doesn't complete about face. Meanwhile, Mergliata walks over to the um I can't remember his name. He's the commissioner for um what state was this fight in? We were in oh that was Las Vegas. Yeah, it was Nevada. Nevada. Like he walks over. I can't remember the name. I think it's like Bob Bennett. I think it was um commissioner nowadays. Hmm. Mergliata is like. Uh, like he vented, like they get in an argument because I guess Murgara heard, and he's like, "What do you want me to do?" And like, 
Maria's like, what do you want me to do? And Bennett is, mind you, Bennett, they can hear him. He's not like, he's not on the mic, but he's closing up to the mic where we can hear him. Right. And he's like, I do, should I say it's accidental? Because like, I guess they thought like in two days this will be legal, but no, it's not. But hmm. Bennett, I, I'm going to keep calling him Bennett. I don't know if that's his name. Just says, I don't give a fuck what you do. <laughs> So the fight ends up just being called a no contest, despite the fact it's a, it should be a disqualification. To me, uh, uh, should have been disqualified. Wow. Yeah, I got. It. And the confusion <laughs> reigns because Timmins gets on the mic with Joe Rogan after the fight and starts cursing out the media. And he's like, "You're always trying to tear a fire down, blah blah blah. If that's legal, I had this guy over here in the corner tell me it was legal." Oh God. And yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to look this up now. It is like a complete. This was, uh, like, this is the worst broadcasting mistake, like, in UFC history, and, like, thank God it wasn't, like, on the pay-per-view portion. Yeah, I was gonna like, say, luckily, yeah, luckily the masses, ooh, I mean, there are people who tune in the prelims, but luckily the masses probably didn't, like, if, didn't catch if that. if this wasn't Ronda Rousey fight weekend, if this was, like, if this was the BJ Penn, yeah, yeah, Rodriguez fight... This would be, like, the headlining story of the whole card, where, like, nobody in the UFC or the Nevada State Athletic Commission knows what the rules are. <laughs> like, everybody just completely forgets the rules. Man. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. That quote. That quote. I already know when I see it, it's gonna stick with me forever. <laughs> Real quick. I'm trying to... What other fight should... Uh, do you did want, you... Do you, do you want to talk about... Dong Hyun Kim versus Tariq Safadine. Oh, boy. Sure, why not? Actually, you know what I should? Because I, I took the time to rewatch that fight. Mm -hmm. So that was another fight that, while it was happening, I was at a fight party eating chicken wings, having side combos. You so had, I was kind of glancing had, back and forth. You had a better time <laughs> watching that fight than I did. I, I tried. I paid. <laughs> I paid too much attention to it. Oh, man. It was weird, though, because when I... When I was half watching it, I fought Safadine one. Mm -hmm. I guess the moments that I was glancing back up were the moments that I, either like he would have stun gun pressed against the cage, or he would be landing like a couple shots here and there, yeah. and then the decision happened, and I'm like, what? There's no way stun gun won that fight. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up this morning, and I was like, let me rewatch a couple of the fights that I was like half paying attention to. And I watched the fight over... And I actually watched it muted, mm -hmm. which I normally never do. But I actually, I think I'm going to start doing that now. Please. So, yeah, yeah, so you don't get influenced by, like, the crowd or... Joe Rogan cheerleading somebody. Right, or anything like that. And, yeah, I can see Stun Gun definitely. I don't remember who I gave what rounds to, but I remember Stun Gun constantly, constantly pushing for it. He definitely landed... He landed... No, Nobody really, like, rocked each other too hard, but... He landed a couple of the cleaner shots, and I think he did get a couple of takedowns. And I felt like Safadine just couldn't, his offense, he couldn't, like, get off as much as I thought he was he, he would. Like, um, well, first off, I thought Saf won, like, 2-1. Like, I gave Kim, like, the second round. But I, I like um, 
I think the way I put it after the fight was Saf is technically proficient and right. like tactfully unimposing. And um, Kim was technically in, uh, inefficient, tactically imposing. Like, right. Saf, like, Saf might actually have the cleanest technique of anybody in at welterweight. Like, he might be the best, like, like study film fighter. Like, if you want to be a good fighter, watch this guy because. He can do just about a little bit of everything. Anything. He can do and everything. He does it, and he does it really well. good. Yeah. But it's not so much that he doesn't have a game plan. It's just that his game plan is just like so reliant on the other guy, I guess. Like, yeah. I think sometimes with like fighters that are really, really technical. I mean, it's always great to have technique. You definitely don't just want to go out throwing any old combination. But, I don't know. It's like he's he's technical, but it's like he's missing something. Like he, Yeah, he's missing that uh, that extra yeah. bit of, like, meanness or... Yeah, like, I, I don't know if he just needs to be more aggressive. Because, like, I, honestly, I mean, anybody <laughs> remembers his, his strike force days. Yeah. He, he... The Marquardt fight, man, he... <laughs> and, and I think part of it has been like due to the injury because like he, even up in the Rory fight like the like the ace the fight with ace like Hung Young uh, Hung Yu Lim yeah where he just like kicked the crap out of him for five decimated rounds. him and Hung Yu Lim is basically a light heavyweight <laughs> welterweight yeah and then you have Rory McDonald fight where I thought he was winning like I think it, I think I had one one and then like I I thought you know um, Saf was taking over the third round before I got uh, like. I think it was uppercutted to hell. Yeah, he, yeah, he, ooh, yeah, I remember that uppercut. And I remember, because I, I picked Safadine to win that fight because I thought his technique would just help him eke out a decision. And it worked for a little bit mm-hmm. until, but when you get hit that flush with an uppercut, there's nothing, there's no, no training. You can't, you can't come back from that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, but can't. going back to like, he took all 2015 off because of injury. He comes back in, against Jake Ellenberger and like, that, that fight was just a whole bunch of nothing, like, where, like, Ellenberger obliged him and just stood in front of him while Saf occasionally threw, like, a jab or, like, a head kick or a leg kick and just, like, went on points. And, like, yeah, he throws leg kicks beautifully. He throws the jab beautifully, but, like, you, you know, you got to build this on him. You got to put your stamp on a fight. Like, his st- like everything about him just screams, like, at best, split decision. Split right. decision win. Like, one of the reasons I uh, like Rick Story is a guy who's like up and down, up and down, up and down, like top ten ish fighter, and I picked Story against him because like yeah, the story's inconsistent, but like like from fight to fight, but like Safadine's inconsistent from like minute to minute, right? And like and, yeah, and he doesn't dominate. Well, lately he doesn't like dominate people or just like impose his game plan. It's just I'm here. I'm going to throw some techniques. They're really good techniques. Hopefully they'll land. But if they don't, I feel like there's no there's no backup. There's no... I'm really curious what his accuracy rate is. Because, like, I think like, he probably, don't, like, despite his, like, lack of volume, he probably lands, like, at a good rate. Yeah, because he doesn't flail punches. Like, he, he throws things that I'm pretty sure, like, he knows he's going to land. Yeah. 
But I think that's but, part of his problem. Like, you you got to throw something out there, you know, get somebody. Like, you, he, there's no reason Rick Story should have been able to eat, like, seven or eight or nine or ten of your head kicks. And, right. And still win. Like, and still, <laughs> right. Yeah. But I guess going from one split decision to, oh, okay, this wasn't a split decision. It was, the, the Kim fight was. The, that was. Yeah. But I was gonna go to the Hendrix fight, which this was the main. This is the main event prelim, right? Uh, yeah. So. Oh, we're talk about Borg like styling on Smoko. Oh yeah, sorry. Let's yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Cause I love. I don't remember the first. When was the first time I see? What was he in before the UFC? Was he RFA or Legacy oh, or? Yeah. He he destroyed um Nick Urso at Legacy Forty. Yeah, because I remember watching him in Legacy, and I was like, this dude is an animal. Like, I remember I went into that fight, and I'm like, Nick Urso's the guy. He's Jackson. He works with Dodson. Like, everybody there talks about how great he is, and then Ray Borg just went out there and, like, sunned him. He has, like, it's dudes like him that, like, people, are, they know there are people that are, like, they're good at grappling. Mm-hmm. But he has grappling that's it's almost scary to watch. Like because he'll get you on the ground and he passes guard like it's nothing. Like he advances position like he makes you look like you never trained on the ground ever. Exactly. Like, all of your training just it didn't matter because he's gonna pass guard anyway. Or he's gonna he's gonna advance to a better position and no matter what you do to try to defend it, is you're gonna lose. Like, like. <laughs> every, like everything he does is so explosive, and he can do it. He can do that for 15 solid minutes, probably 25. Like if they were to give him the chance, he probably could go 25 minutes, just like constantly taking you down, wrestling you, passing your guard, like hopping to your back. Like man, he's he's only 23. What? My worry with that is like he's probably going to end up having to move the band away eventually because apparently he can't stay on weight. Has he? He hasn't missed weight though at all, has he? He's missed weight twice. He missed weight for the um the fight with Herrera and he missed weight for this fight. He came in like three and a half pounds overweight. Oh yeah, yeah. That's one thing to be about one pound, but yeah, when you start hitting three and four, when you hit that Hendrix and Gastelum territory, when you, <laughs> when you hit that Lineker territory, yeah, yeah. But I think though, even if, even if he goes to one thirty-five, he's you don't want to see that grappling. That's that's a scary dude to to be in front of. Like if your wrestling's not ready, dude, this is gonna be a long it's gonna be a long night. Like one twenty-five is a very hard division to keep guys down in. It's part of what makes like um uh, Demetrius Johnson, you know, so amazing is that he can, like, he can take a guy like Tim Sylvia down and have, uh, not Tim Sylvia, Tim Elliott down and can have him on his back for, like, 20 minutes. Cause, yeah, because yeah, normally those guys just squirt they, right back up. Yeah, they, they pop up, like, they're, they're all springs. Like, so the fact that Borg is able to take guys down and is athletic and strong and, like, aware enough as a grappler to do all these things so early in his career and without like a real you know grappling background like I think he was like a state champion wrestler maybe but like he, he's not like a, uh, he's not like um you know Juicier Formiga like he trained with um the no holes bar team down in Albuquerque hmm. so like the fact that he's able to do all these things at this weight class is just like scary I'm saying the fact that he's only 23 
which means like by the time this dude's 25, he might be close to a title shot. Dude, I, I thought it, I honestly guy thought he was gonna beat Scoggins. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm looking at his record now, and okay, so he came in, he lost to Ortiz his first fight, and then he went on a tear. And had he not lost to Scoggins, he'd be on a five-fight win streak. He'd probably be fine for he'd probably with a four yeah. title. Well, I'm about to say which in those lower, yeah, those lighter weight classes, five fights in a row. That's that's pretty much a title shot, or at least like a a, a contender fight. Yeah. If not, yeah, he's definitely somebody to to keep a lookout on. Speaking of legacy, man, I really gotta because they fused with RFA. Yep. How many cars have they had already? No, uh, none. Their first none. one is the 13th. Okay. Like, they finished out their year as RFA and Legacy and other fuse. So, I think the first one's the 13th. I don't uh, I don't think there was anybody good on that. Uh, not, I don't want to say that. There's nobody I recognize as, like, oh, never mind. Uh, what's his name on the card? Hilo. Because I've got a cable situation, so I haven't been, <laughs> I haven't been able to watch RFA or Legacy as much as... I normally do. So, like, I've kind of been losing track of prospects. and. My whole thing is I just haven't been, like, that interested because, like, I'll see, a, like, a legacy card and I'll look in the main event and it's like, oh, we have, um, I don't know, Pete Spratt. He's going <laughs> to fight this, you know, five and two kid from Texas. <laughs> oh, yeah, please. Soon in the watch. And I'm like, okay, no. Like, I, so I understand why they fused. Like I don't think it was a good I don't think it was a good thing for regional MMA as a whole because you know less options you know you can only fight in like certain areas where these guys are going to go right and you know and Legacy and um, Marfe had very different uh, routes like uh, Legacy mostly kept the south Marfe kind of traveled all over in the Midwest and West Coast but um. Yeah, but their second card has Mike Richmond fighting some dude from... Oh, Mike Richmond off of suspension. Oh, yeah, oh. he got he got popped, didn't he? Two years in California for weed. Oh. Oh, man. <laughs> Who, who's, Richmond, who's Richmond fighting? Um, Lazar Sojanovich. Somebody we don't know. Some dude. This dude. Yeah, so this dude with... I thought, I thought oh, Richmond had potential. Player, so. I like Richmond though. He's 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 pretty, not like elite, but he's he's good. He's... Richmond would be a top tier bantamweight, probably. Well, not top tier, like a top fifteen bantamweight if his chin was, you know, dude can be chin checked. You're right. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll we'll see how he does. So, was that the whole main card? Um. For yes. Yeah. Real quick though, I gotta mention because I rewatched this fight too, so I feel like I should talk about it. The Magni and Hendricks fight. Yes. Who? All right. So when I watched this fight, there was another one that I was kind of half watching, and yeah, I thought Hendricks won both. Well, actually, you know what? I can't say that because the first time I watched it, I felt like every time I looked up, Hendricks was on top, but he never really did much. Yep. And I saw Magni consistently, well, I won't say consistently, but he did threaten. He had a triangle go up a few times. He was throwing elbows. I think the second round was the only round I, I know I definitely gave to Hendricks because he, 
he pretty much controlled Magny like that entire round, and Magny couldn't. Basically, his, his offense got shut down. First round, I don't remember either of them doing too much. I might have gave it to Magny. Third round, I think I gave the third to Hendricks. I think I did. So I think I scored it 29-28, Hendricks. Same. I, I had a lot of people disagreeing with me. I think it's the <laughs> it's the wrestler's curse. I think. I think uh, someone pointed this out to me. Like we're past the era where like just sitting on top of a guy will get you the round most of the time. Like it still works sometimes, but but um. I can see I, I can see the fight for Magny. I, I had it for Hendricks, but I can see why people buy it for I think uh, Magny. I wanted to give it to Magny just from a fan standpoint, but I think mm-hmm. the I can't give you a fight by saying the other guy put you down, but he didn't do anything. Point is, he took you down. Yeah. Even if he didn't do much. Well, I think the I think the counter argument was uh, Magny like had those triangles, like they were. Like the, I don't think the one the first one was really deep, but he did was landing elbows and he had like the arm bar. Yeah, that is true. I, I don't and I get that too because to be honest, to go on another side tangent real quick, that's how I felt about the um, Miguel Torres and DJ fight. I did too for like the longest. Because time. and this is probably me being a mega stan because I love Miguel Torres, and I was like, this dude, he, he went for like eighty submissions. How did he lose? Mm-hmm. Now, Magny wasn't that active, but he definitely, he was, I can't even, I don't know if I guess he did more damages. Yeah, he was just more active. Like, Hendricks' game plan was, I'll take him down, and I guess wear him out, little pity pat, ground and pound here and there, but not, not anything, like, too significant. And I guess the judges, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess they just weren't thoroughly impressed. Hey. <sighs> Hendricks, like God. What is, what? When is his last? Did he's on a what? Oh, he's on a three fight lose streak. Yeah, he beat Matt Brown. Like Hendricks, like Hendricks is another guy who's just fall was just, like completely out of nowhere. Like I think this is the curse of. I think part of it's just the curse of fighting Robbie Lawler. Like you fight Robbie Lawler, like think of all the people who have fought Robbie Lawler besides Tyrone Woodley in like the last like three years. They all kind of just physically fell apart afterwards. I don't want to accuse the man of anything. You, you, you think post post Usada? I think it's just a freaking career of just half-assing it, like with the food, man. Like, he, he, what? He's like 34, 30, 33, 34 now. Like 33. Yep. Oh, according to Sure Dog, 33. Yep. yep. So like, the way I see it, this guy's been cutting weight since like you know he was. Like probably eleven years old, ten years old. Like I don't know if they make eight-year-olds cut weight, but um, this guy's probably been cutting weight since then, and he's probably been half-assing on his diet because he's such a good wrestler. Where he's like, uh, it, yeah, it doesn't really matter if I'm a hundred percent or whatever. And like, cause this dude, this is the dude who's bragging about eating a steak or not a steak, a burger. He's <laughs> like, like. Like, new, like the nutrition guy, um, Lou Giordino, hmm. the same guy who was with Anthony Pettis and like had Pettis eating like a steak on like embedded or some shit. And like, 
He's like, oh, you can eat a burger in the off season. Just make sure you don't eat the fries and send me a picture of the burger. <laughs> and I feel because him and, and it's like and, him and Gastelum are in the same like. Well, the thing is, I think Gastelum's athletic, like the right type of athletic enough where he can move up to one eighty-five and like still have, you know, a solid career or, or at least be a top ten fighter. Yeah, Hendricks, because didn't I believe I heard Hendricks say that is he done at welterweight? Is, like that, that until they make a one seventy-five pound division, he's a middleweight. Yeah, and the thing is, he he's a strong welterweight, but dude, when you get to middleweight, those guys are. Especially when you get to like the top tier, even just like top fifteen, those are some big, right. some big boys. Like, all right, think like, about Yoel Romero, who I think is five eleven, and then think about Johnny Hendricks, who is like five nine. Right, and, and Romero is built like Thor. Like, like, like Yoel Romero might not be, might only be two inches taller than him, but he's also like twice the size of Johnny Hendricks. Like, right. Like, body mass like wise. Johnny Hendricks by any measure like by any metric is a welterweight. He just ate, like I don't think it was just like one bad camp decision. I think it was like a career of them and now he just can't make the weight. Like going back to like his college days probably where he's like just like half assing it and just gorging himself and then cutting all the way at the last minute. So and I was wondering too during this fight because I feel like with the Magni fight, I mean, he mostly stuck to what I guess he does best. This kind of wrestling. Like, that's the only thing he really has left, isn't it? Like... Yeah, but it's weird, though, because I remember during... I don't know if it, it probably was the first Robbie fight. I thought his striking looked really good. Dude, like, if... Okay, so they fought ten rounds. Uh, Robbie and, um... Johnny? <laughs> yep. Johnny won four of them striking. Like straight up, right. like, like, and they weren't even competitive rounds. Like, uh, like the first, he won the first two rounds of both fights all on the feet, and he probably yeah. should have won the second fight if we're being real. But probably, yeah. He 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 was on his K one Hendrix. Like, <laughs> he was definitely on the K one Hendrix. Do you think maybe? Well, I would say maybe he should have tried to strike with Magny more, but Magny has really good range. He's crazy lanky so he can just kind of keep him at bay i really think he's just falling apart physically like like that like athletic like that that athleticism and that toughness that he showed like against waller and um fitch and uh campman and gsp like i don't think it's there anymore like i don't think he can go like on the feet like i think he's just lost complete confidence in himself yeah i was gonna say i think it's yeah i was about to say it could be just kind of father time maybe creeping up but also the three fight skid i mean the wonder boy fight was that was a brutal like i feel like anybody after that fight you're gonna look yourself in the mirror and just be like what just happened like this like, is like uh, like yeah like you go from going toe-to-toe with gsp on the feet going toe-to-toe with robbie lawler on the feet and being like oh my god uh, and you know theoretically he was still like the welterweight champion if we're being real Right. And just to go out and just, like, in, what, three minutes, get your ass handed to you like that? Like, it's got to be, like, a terrible feeling. But I guess props to Magny. I mean, yeah. controversial win, but a win <laughs> a win is a win in, in the books. Who who should Magny fight next, do you think? Uh, 
preferably someone who won't murder him again. Because like the thing with Neil Magny is when he like his margin for error is so like I don't want to say small, but once he once there's somebody there they exploit it they just like freak on him like Lorenz Larkin and um Damian Maya. Oh, that Lorenz Larkin. <laughs> I, I wanted Magny to win that fight so bad. Man, that Larkin's a beast. Uh, that that. Let's see. Because Gunner was supposed to fight Dung Young Kim. So maybe him. Wouldn't mind saying that. Probably would pick Gunner. Well, his foot might be broken, though. His oh. ankle, because he broke it, like, grappling on some, um, like, media workout for the dub. Was it Dublin where they, where they went to where Masa- uh, Musashi fought Hall again? I think so. It might have been North Ireland, but he, he yeah. was supposed to fight in that card, and like he broke his ankle during a media workout. So I'm not wow. sure when he's going to be ready. You know what? Magny versus... Um... Oh, wait. Masvidal has a fight lined up. Never mind. Yeah, yeah Masvidal's fighting uh, Cerrone. Yep. And that winner of that fight might actually have a claim to a title shot. I think Cerrone is going to just mess around and somehow get that belt. Uh, Don't think he'll keep it. Um, uh, it's possible. It's possible. I th- I think the thing with Cerrone is like he doesn't like waiting around for fights, and like the UFC is not gonna be like, hey, here's a you know here's a title fight in two months. And be like, right. Yo, yo, you gotta wait like three three four months until this other fight's right. done so you can get this fight. <laughs> and Cowboys is gonna sit around like getting in his own head and being like, yo, I want to fight. Yo, I gotta pay taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my freaking uh, jet ski needs gas or whatever. That welterweight division, though, because speaking of Magni and the the Maya fight, I'm looking at Damian Maya's record, My- and he is on a one, two, three, four, five, six fight win streak. He obliterated Matt Brown. He destroyed Carlos Condit, which hurt my heart really bad. But that fight wasn't even close. This dude is 39 years old. Do you think that? Do you think they'll ever give him a title shot? Because I, mean, I feel like if he was anybody else, if if somebody else had his record and they were on this win streak beating these exact people, they would have gotten a title shot. Like that's the curse of like welterweight. We're like, I'm going to wait. Like somebody else kind of steps up and takes a, like the shot. Like God, like my uh, like Maya would be getting a title shot right now if um. This business with GSP and this business with like Woodley and Wonderboy fighting to a draw. Yeah, like if that never went down, like Maya would be fighting for time. I, like I don't doubt it. Like just, like besides Cerrone, like who are you going to put on pay per view against opposite Woodley or Wonderboy and be like, yo, buy this pay per view, right? Like nobody, right? Like no no one's like that much more of a draw than anybody else. Maybe like Cowboy. Maybe Condit, but, you know, Condit just lost. So, I think they would have given some, but I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Well, I've accepted that I don't think the GSP thing is going to happen. Every time, I, I, I'm through giving up my hopes about that. I'm fine with him never coming back. Like I am too. I actually, I, I kind of prefer it, because I'm afraid if he does come back... I don't want to see a, a BJ Penn-ish situation. 
where the rest of the world kind of evolved. Not saying that I don't think he'd be able to hang, but... Well, it's one of those weird divisions where, like, a few years ago, I would have said, like, it's head and shoulders above um featherweight or, like, bantamweight. Right. And, like, it's kind of stagnated a lot. Like, m- like the guys who are in it are still really good. Like, you know, um, Woodley, still really good. Thompson, still really good. Maya, still really good. But, like, then you get to, like, Condit and Hendricks. And, like, Hendricks is out the division. Condit is, you know, has a foot in the door. And he's about to, you know, go retire probably. Yep. Robbie Lawler just got, you know... Uh, like we talk about, yeah, Woodley hits really, really hard. But Robbie Lawler is like, you know, he's been through like a million wars in the last. Like, he's been through like every war, uh, every fight, every fight <laughs> he's had since his first title fight, and like back in March 2014, has been a war, like, like, unqual, uh, like just like a bloodbath, like Hendricks. Oh, not the Ellenberger fight, but Brown, Hendricks again, uh, McDonald, which probably took like years and years off his own career, and then the Condit right. fight, which, you know, similarly, that was brutal. And then, like, to top it off, you get knocked out by, you know, one of the hardest punches in welterweight. Like, how much tread does he really have left, I guess? Real, real quick, mm-hmm. who did you think won the Robbie Condit fight? Uh, I thought Condit won, and at worst, it was a draw. Okay. Because I was very adamant that I thought Condit won that fight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is it just me? Like, I, I was I was almost 100% sure when they went to the judges that he was going to get his hand raised. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, I guess Robbie just, he's a machine. Robbie, Robbie's title run has been, Robbie's title run was magical in that he probably should have lost all those fights. <laughs> <laughs> and no one, and, and, like, if it wasn't for Rory McDonald's, like, com- like, body just quitting on him in sheer pain, like, not <laughs> because he's, like, not because he was hurt, uh, not because he was, like, un- like, semi-conscious, because his body just completely shut down after Robbie punched his so, nose. Yeah, I remember. He punched him right in the nose, and he just... His everything shut off. He hit the off button on basically, and like his body shut down, but his mind kept going with like a bone attached to it. And like Rory was up three one in that fight on the judges' scorecards. Like again, we agree that like, he should have probably lost the Condit. And he, if people didn't hate Hendricks, he yeah, he, probably, <laughs> he definitely have, lost that second fight. Probably people would probably realize he lost the second fight, like. But like no one cares because he given the like last three years he's given us three of the greatest fights of all time, right? Like no one. So you don't want to you feel bad almost for <laughs> for saying that he lost because like, yeah, you you want to see more. If he doesn't win the second con, uh, Hendricks fight, he, we don't get Rory uh, the second Rory fight, and like no one would, right. no one would like that. And if he doesn't win that fight, he doesn't get the Condit fight. So. God, like, think about it. Welterweight's just been like drained. Like, lightweight's weird. Where like the like three of the the last three of the last four champions have just like left the division. Edgar, Benson, uh, Pettis. 
Well, Pettis, I think Pettis is coming back, though, right? Probably. Yeah, because I, I think I remember hearing him saying that the... Didn't, I think he said it right after the fight, that the 45 cut, I think it, it was just too much. Yeah, probably. Like, that boy needs to lift some weights. Like, that's one of the things missing from his... On top of him, like, needing to work on the fundamentals of moving as a striker, he needs to lift some yeah. weights because he gets out-muscled way too easily. Like, that was one of the things he talked about. I don't lift weights. Possibly part part of the reason your strength and conditioning program keeps you getting hurt, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, like lightweight had that big drain of talent. Has had a big drain of talent. Like Edgar left, Bendo left, Cerrone left, Masvidal left. Um, I think I said Edgar. BJ left, and that's a, like all these champions leave. New guys come in and take their spots. Welterweight, like, uh, Connie's about to leave, Hendrick's about to leave, Rory already left to go to Bellator, uh, uh, Rick Story is probably, like, not going to go on a late career renaissance, Young Young Kim is pushing, uh, like, the second, early 30s, uh, late 30s, Matt Brown is, I think he's, 30s, from- yeah, but I, I feel like, and I like, I like Matt. I, I like watching Matt Brown's fights, but I think we've probably seen the best of him. Like, I don't see him peaking. Like, I, I don't think he hits the next. I don't think there's a next level. Yeah, he's thirty-five. He's not going to go on another like career. Yeah, he's not going to go on another crazy <clears throat> win streak. I, I, yeah. I love Neil Magny, but I don't see him as a future title contender. No. I think he's like. I think he's perfect picture of like what happens when you get to UFC and you get some money and you can train full time where you can maximize your skill set. Lorenzo Arkin is like in the abyss right now because he doesn't have a contract and Bellator wants him and he wants to be promoted right. If they offer him just the right amount of money and the promise of being a David Buss's commercial, he might you know leave. <laughs> and I mean <clears throat> even with his name he's not like huge but he goes to Bellator. He's he's basically one fight away from a title shot. Exactly. And I would tune in for Koreshkov versus working in a heartbeat. Just... I would tune in for Lima. Oh, Lima. <laughs> Lima, yeah. Lima I and, and Larkin. I forgot he knocked him out. Yeah. God, Bellator's had a terrible year. <laughs> Man. But, um, all these guys are old and all of these guys are about to believe and the only young people are are Neil Magny, Gunnar Nelson, I guess Masvidal technically, but he's been fighting for 11 years now. I still think he's got more left in the tank, though. I'm actually, I'm not going to say surprised. I'm I'm actually, I'm glad he, I'm glad he is getting this Cerrone fight because ever, ever since the merger happened, I wanted to see how he would do against like, the elite of the elite, mm-hmm. and I felt like he would go on a streak, and then who was the fight that he lost a really close decision that I'm pretty sure I thought he won that fight. Was it the Iaquinta fight? Yeah, that fight. It, like, I felt like if, if he would have officially got that win, he, won he the, probably would have... He, he should have won the fight, period. Yeah, he should have won that but he fight. he also should have knocked um, Iaquinta out, probably. True. He, I think that was one of those fights where he... He was ahead, and he knew he was ahead, and I think he kind of coasted at the end, mm-hmm. just kind of assuming he would get the nod, which he, he should have, but 
with with judges, you just you don't know what they're watching. Yeah. I don't think anybody knew that night <laughs> what they were watching. Yeah. But I think the Cerrone fight was. I think that's a good measuring stick to see, like, is this guy ever going to really contend for a belt? I think if he beats Cerrone... There's not there's not much ahead of him. It's Maya, and that's basically it. It's Larkin, until yep. Larkin gets a contract, it's Maya, Larkin, and um, Nelson. Those are the only guys coming out from wins. Yeah, I'm about to say, and if you, you beat Cerrone, you basically leapfrog all half of that division. Yeah. Probably all of it. Cerrone's currently the number five guy. That's crazy. There's been a big drain at that division, and there's not a lot that, not a lot of the prospects that we thought would um, come up and take the spot have taken the spot. Speaking of which, speaking of which, Alex Garcia. Oh, and Mike Powell. (laughs) Alex Garcia might have murdered Mike Powell. Yeah, so when I got to the fight party, I think that was the first fight that I saw. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was the first fight I saw. Mm-hmm. And man, yeah, for people listening, yeah, if you if you didn't catch the prelims, go watch that. Go, I mean, I felt bad for Mike Powell. I'm glad Garcia didn't follow up after the KO mm-hmm. because that hit was it was. Uh, that was it was one of those it was one of those moments where like you're excited because the KO happened but then after the dust settles you're like yo is he is he all right like like that was a nasty hit I, I feel absolutely um that was one of those moments where like I can't believe I actually enjoy the sport right, <laughs> <laughs> right. like your your humanity is in question like oh god poor Mike Powell uh, his neck was and, stiff, like mid, yeah. like mid punch, and he drops, and like it, do, it doesn't move. Oh god! And he's like, isn't he, he's forty? I think, right? Something like that. Uh, Forty-one. Man, they just cut the mullet. Should have kept the mullet. It would have stopped his head from bouncing off the mat. Probably. You think? You think he finally hangs it up, or you think he doesn't know when to stop? He comes back again. Oh yeah, that's two KO losses in a row. Oh yeah, he caught a flying knee before this. Oh, it's a peanut. Yeah. Mina. Mina. <laughs> oh, and speaking of disappointments, I guess we'll be able to cover the whole card. This Brandon Thatch fight. Brandon Thatch. <sighs> Brandon Thatch is cursed with the idea that he has to cut enough weight. To be competitive, and he should just move up to 185, where he'd probably be a lot stronger and not right. And I don't like somebody. I don't know. I don't get it. Like there, yeah, dudes like him and like uh, Hung Yu Lim that are just massive for no reason. It's, I don't understand why they don't just just. And it's not like if you go up to middleweight you're not giving up size you're you're a big <laughs> you're a mammoth of a person you will still like be i really rem- bigger than a lot of the middle of that division right like i remember when thatch fought uh henderson uh benson and i just remember looking like when 
right after they touched gloves. And I was like, they look like they're like three weight classes apart. Like, this dude is huge Mammoth. for no reason. Mammoth of a person. Props to Benson for winning that fight, though. And props <laughs> to Nico Price coming in on like three weeks notice and tapping him right. quicker than anybody has so far in the OC. Besides, besides Gunnar Nelson. Let's see, Gunner. Yeah, Gunner got him in two minutes, fifty-four seconds. Dude, oh man, so Thatch only won how many fights in the UFC? Okay, he won two. So he's two and four. That's a pink slip. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say. At this point, it's just for his own health. And I forgot he fought Sire. And, and he lost. Sire bodied him. And Sire's not a guy who goes in there and buys. He's a rag. He's a dog. And if I remember, because I know Sire, like, he, he takes heads off. That fight had a lot of grappling in it, didn't it? It was Sire taking that down and bullying him on the ground for Man. until he got the stoppage. And then, imme- I- and then immediately after, he tweeted, um, wait, it might be after a kind of fight, actually, where he just tweets, like, uh, I, uh, Robbie, that's great, but I'm your kryptonite. <laughs> Man, and I remember that that the Thatch and Sire fight. I, I that was I thought that was gonna be a loser against the pink slip. Everybody gets a longer leash nowadays. No, out of the days of where you, you go two and zero and zero and two, and they give you the, they show you the door. Well, I guess also, I think I felt like the UFC with Thatch probably felt how I felt. Like I think we were in denial that when he went on, even though he, I mean. He in his four fight loose losing streak. It, I can't say his competition was super elite. Well, Benson was obviously, but I, I think we just thought eventually he's going to turn it on. Like whatever was missing, he'll correct it, and we'll get the guy that we thought we signed. You know, this huge, huge welterweight that's kneeing people in the face, and I think we just we were waiting for it to happen, and that moment just it never came. Sadly, did. And these are all submission losses. He he is he is might be literally the worst grappler at 170 once Sage Northcutt leaves. <laughs> you think you think they can get rid of Sage? Oh uh, well, I think he's gonna go down to 155. Man, I don't talk about guys. Talk about a card where guys need to leave their trainers. They do need to leave his dad like with a quickness. Yeah, but. It's one thing when your coach is not blood. It's another thing when, I'm, I mean, cause he, what, Sage is what? He's like 20? Yes, about know. that. Yeah, he probably still lives at home, I'd imagine. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of hard to dodge your dad when you go home and he's right there. Or actually, y'all probably go home together because you've been in the gym all day. But I thought I read something about him. I don't know if it was true. That he wanted to train with the Diaz brothers? <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear, I thought I, I thought I saw that somewhere. I thought I saw that somewhere. That's a reality show, man. But you know what? When I saw it, I laughed for a second, and then I thought, you know what? That I'm not gonna say it makes sense, but I think a little toughness would probably do him some good. Not to say, you know, I mean, at 20 years old, he would body me if we ever fought. But you know, compared to other fighters, I. I feel like he kind of is missing that that edge, I guess. 
Like, I think he's another guy that he's great when things are going his way, but when someone amounts an offense that he doesn't have an answer to, he kind of hits the panic button, too, and he doesn't, I don't know. I want to say it was Patrick Wyman of Bleacher Report on the the Heavy Hands podcast. I want to say that's where I heard this, but it, it makes perfect sense. Sage Northcutt is an experiment of can you be an MMA, a successful MMA fighter without actually being an MMA fighter where like you are indoctrinating this culture of you know gym wars and toughness and I have to be the baddest man in the room all the time and uh, his his whole advice for Paige was he has to go to like ATT and have Robbie Lawler laugh at him for not being able to defend a single correctly. <laughs> and that's and that's really what you that's really what you need to do. Like you need to be laughed at, you need to be beat up, you need to do all these little things to, not to just be successful, not just to be successful, but to like just be considered an MMA fighter. Right. Otherwise, you're just a hobbyist who lucked, who just happens to be like a fantastic athlete. Yeah, I hope I hope he doesn't become like a flash in the pan. I, I mean, I, I'll still give him a chance because he's so young that even if he does, even if he loses his next couple fights, he could take maybe a year or two off, work on if I'm Sage North, whatever he's Sage Northcutt's trainer, or I'm Sage Northcutt's agent, or I'm Sage Northcutt. I'm, uh, my short list of things to do is take a year off, go spend a year at a real gym, get away from my dad, and just completely shut out the noise. Like, except no calls from the UFC whatsoever about, oh, we want to get you on this fight in, um, you know, Texas. Uh, we want to get you on right. this fight in Jersey. Put you on the main card. We'll, we'll put you on the same card as Connor. Well, we'll we'll see what what happens. I, I I root for the I root for him. I root for the youth. I hope he does well. I do too, because he's a bizarre personality in the sport that where bizarre personalities thrive. Right. I still want that Diaz Northcutt uh, training. Reality. I hope <laughs> after and we'll we'll wrap it up real quick. But I'm gonna look that up afterwards. I want to make sure that was true because you know the internet's wild nowadays. So I don't know if that was just one of those random links. But I swear I thought I saw that somewhere. And I was just like, I would pay to be the fly on the wall to hear just a Diaz and, and Sage sparring session. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I think it was Connor Reblish, Bloody Elbow, who said, um, Sage, uh, I, he, I don't think Sage Northcutt knows people like the Diaz brothers exist. And I don't think the Diaz <laughs> brothers realize that people like Sage Northcutt exist. That's probably... <laughs> it's probably true. Probably true. So, Two total opposite ends of stereotypes and spectrums. <laughs> uh, maybe they'll corrupt them. Yeah, he could use it. <laughs> he probably could. The best part of that, that fight with... Um, uh, God, I already forgot his name. Mickey Gall. Mickey. The best yeah. part of that fight with Mickey was when he landed on Mickey and he just like pointed at him and started talking trash. He's like, "Okay, man." Yeah, didn't they, didn't expect you that. Need that. 
you see, you, you know that feeling you have right now. Take that into you. Take that to the gym with you. Right. Don't let and... your dad yell at your training partners. <laughs> we'll see though. But yeah, I guess we're uh, That's awesome. gonna wrap it up. Yep. Yeah, it's been an hour and forty, forty plus, and I have food awaiting. But um, next card is January. I think that's fifteenth. Yair uh, Rodriguez and Yair Rodriguez, buddies, little, BJ Penn. Yeah, everybody's hey, favorite, hey, hey. former favorite. Hey, hey, Joe Lozon versus Marcin Held. Yeah. Oh. Come in event, just saying. Leg locks. Grappling. You know what? I, I, my mind says that fight will go that way. What if Lozon just, yeah. just sleeps him? Like... <laughs> <laughs> and then also on this card, yeah, Caraway and Rivera, who we talked about earlier. Yep. Homeboy Jim Rivera. Yeah. Possibly leapfrog CJ Dillashaw for a title shot. Goes out there uh, if he not goes out there and knocks out Brian Caraway. Possibly. There's well, a lot yeah. of fights on this card. Uh, yeah, Court McGee and Ben oh Ben Saunders is back. Killer B. I think he's been cut from the USA like twice. And didn't bother to go have another fight, and then just came back. Like they were like, "You're hey. the guy, you're a guy. We trust you to show up." Oh, he did fight. He fought Jacob Wolkman. Oh, Jacob Wolkman still fight? Uh, yeah. What? Training for the day he gets to fight Barack Obama. <laughs> I haven't heard that guy's name in a long time. Ooh, Amanda Nunes' girlfriend gets to fight on that card too. Nina Ansaroff I'm... fights with Jocelyn Jones Leibarger. I never knew that was her girlfriend. Really? No, I honestly didn't. Like, I just didn't know. <laughs> Did not know. And... Somehow I was out of the loop on that. And... Oh, he did lose. As I say, Walt Harris fresh off of knocking Cody East out the UFC. Thank God. But he fought some... Shamil, whatever. Oh, that the, the guy, the, that big Russian guy. Yeah, the guy who Derek Lewis had that terrible, terrible fight with. Oh boy, yeah. That still love Derek Lewis, but yeah, that fight was. Life is forever. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, well, uh, I guess we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, I guess on the fifteenth. Is this a Fox or a fight? FS1. Or, uh, it's a fight night. FS one. FS one. All right. So yeah, I'll definitely be able to watch this, so uh, I guess we'll watch that fight, and we will cover that when it happens. Hopefully, BJ Penn doesn't get annihilated too bad. I don't want this to be a depressing podcast, but I got a feeling I'm going to be hurt recording that one, but we'll, um, we will see. <laughs> we will definitely see what happens, but uh, yeah, thanks for, for joining me, and thanks to Anybody who, who listened, trying to be consistent with the podcast game, I'm, I want to do this weekly, semi-weekly at, at least, as long as the MMA world keeps bringing interesting things. I feel like that shouldn't be a problem. Well, 2017 is going to be that year, man. It is going to be chaos. It is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's going to be. It's going to be a lot, a lot to talk about, because the way the year ended. It's like, days, it's like a man. season. One of these days, risen, rising. We're gonna cover it. When do their car? Do their cars come on like really, really early in the morning? One a.m. 
Jesus Christ. We're gonna do it one. Yeah, you're right. We <laughs> you're right. We're gonna we're gonna do this one day. Their cards come on, and I just yeah. I, I'm aware that they're. I feel like they're always on when I'm at work or just something else is going on. But yeah, one of these days, just let me know when the next one is. Uh, and I'm not sure they announced that their last card, but Gabby. Okay. But I'm looking forward to Gabby Garcia versus what's her name? Jazzy Hands or whatever. Mm. Uh, Jazzy Gabbert. Jazzy the alpha female Gabbert. Let's go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, we got to cover that. <laughs> so, yeah, let me. Versus the, pro, the German pro wrestler, Jazzy the alpha male, alpha female Gabbert. Oh, man. I'm ready for this. Yeah, that's podcast worthy. So I'll try to see what day of the week that is, see if I can get my my schedule to align, and we'll, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely cover that. But, uh, yeah, for now, this is the Dojo Talk Podcast. It's been a fun time, and we will be back. The next time people are getting head kicked and so on and so forth. Peace out, everybody.